How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. WGR Sports Radio 550. If you could only have one guy, just one guy, that you put in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I don't know why that would be. Maybe because there's a small Hall of Fame and there's a fire inspector that says you can only have one guy that can go in that Hall of Fame. That guy, I mean, that guy's going to be Brett Favre. Back in 2004, we're talking, you know, just having a normal interview, and a squirrel came running across the field. And I guess it tripped and injured itself. I wasn't really paying attention to the squirrel. But Brett Favre, in the middle of the interview, saw the squirrel trip. And Brett looks at the squirrel and says, Oh, no, that squirrel is limping. So Brett Favre runs over and helps that little guy. Brett Favre made that squirrel a little cast. And then he made him little squirrel crutches. And most people would have sent that squirrel on its way. But Brett Favre was worried that squirrel wouldn't get away. So Brett Favre taught that squirrel karate. And I said to Brett, I didn't know you knew karate. And that's when Brett Favre said to me, I didn't know karate. I taught it to myself when I saw that squirrel trip. That tells you something right there. On WGR Sports Radio 550. The always wonderful Frank Caliendo, or as Brighton would say, the worst human being on earth. I wouldn't say he's the worst human being on earth. He's just a washed up guy that is just, it's the same act over and over again. It really is. He still does a heck of a John Madden impression. His John Madden, and I don't know if you've heard his George W. Bush impression, his Mel Kuyper Jr. impression, his John Groot. I mean, come on, Brighton. As someone that does well with impressions and impersonations, you should, you should be... A little chopping more at than... the bit to maybe to maybe just get a little bit of that Caliendo juice in. You. I think it's more about the way that he's utilized by ESPN because he is almost brought on once a week to do just the most absurd, ridiculous, stupid skits that just may that are just. I preferred. Then, then I preferred when he was on Fox. Then don't hate the player. Hate the game. Nice. Hate ESPN for it. Nice. Well, but I don't, I don't know. It's You're, okay to like Kevin Connors aside. Uh, probably one of the best guests we've had for uh, Sports Talk Saturday here. Um, the rest of ESPN, I can kind of just cast it aside. And, uh, that's yeah, okay. John, that's the okay. loss of John Saunders, obviously, was, was really Well, you know, we talked to Duffy from, from uh, you know, WCMF he that day, and he, he agreed with me that Frank Caliendo was, was just a, a guy that just needs to just stop or go away for a while. And I still agree, and, I, and I'm still saying that. I still think that he just needs to, you know, take a vacation, just not – not do anything for like seven years, and then all of a sudden make a comeback and be like, "Oh, hey, I'm making, I'm doing more skits," and blow the doors right off. And then I'll either be like, "Oh, okay, I, I don't care," or I'm just like, "No, why did you come back?" I, I'm sorry, just I'm so against just Frank. I don't think he's funny anymore. Speaking of coming Frank back, Caliendo, had his time. I just don't think he's funny anymore. And then just insert insert that gif of like the little cat oh. pounding the keyboard. And that's Derek right now trying to create another Frank Caliendo open right now. 
And, well, <laughs> and if if I hear another Frank Caliendo thing, I'm gonna just uh, lose my mind. First off, challenge accepted. Second, <laughs> no. Second off, speaking of challenges, coming in with backup quarterbacks. Thank you, Derek, for re-steering the train back to uh, a topic that uh, won't want to make Brayton uh, jump out the window. So it, might, as, it still might make it me jump still out the might, window, depending uh, on the backup quarterback. Is as we were talking about before the break. Um, I brought up a point that there was potentially, to me, a scenario that that uh, Cardell Jones, the, I would say, unanimous third-string quarterback for the Buffalo Bills this year, um, I wouldn't expect to really be dressing for many games, just holding the clipboard, being a guy that needs to develop, as we all agree. And that's that probably the best wrong. thing for him. It is the best thing at, for him. At this point. I think, the most, I, think, I think one of the telling and most important aspects to E.J. Manuel's career or lack there of or lack of success in his career was that he was unfairly I it wasn't unfair it just is the way it happens in the NFL you need to be ready when your number's called and when that Matt decided he wanted to take its anger out on Kevin Cobb that there was nothing that EJ Mayno could do he was thrown into the fire the team and that's what I don't understand about especially the Bills this isn't just about the Bills this is the quarterback market of the League. NFL no no totally Look at, I mean, we just had this news break today about the trade for Sam Bradford. They paid a king's ransom for an average at best To play one season for them. They're not going to have a first-round pick next year so that they basically They're in a win-now mentality, though. I, and I agree. I get, I get win-now, but if you look at the stats between Sean Hill and Sam Bradford, they are you can't, eerily comparable. Can't, can't and compare them. Can't terrifying. As, as uh, who said it? Uh, Mike Singletary. Won't do it. Can't do it. Can't play with him. Won't do it. You want to know why you can't compare the stats? Sample size. Not even that. The Vikings can legitimately still be an eight-win team with Sean Hill as a bottom. Not as a bottom, but like that might be an average Sean Hill. You paid way too much for a guy that might get you maybe two more wins. But ten wins, you get to the playoffs. Who knows what happens? Ten eight wins, wins there's no there's no shot. You get to the playoffs. The team that the Minnesota Vikings have built, you could get to ten wins with Sean Hill, and I am not on crazy pills. I mean, he did beat the Bills twice. Sean Hill did. That's not a that's not a selling point for you. Well, yeah, that's I'm, not, that's I'm not a saying. And one, I'm, I'm just saying we no, had this discussion. We had this discussion uh, during the morning show last week, and. Uh, I was at the one game where Sean Hill beat the Bills again. They, he was playing with the 49ers. It was a 10 to 3 final. Uh, uh, I remember the game like it, it was, was yesterday. I was at the game, and that game epitomized. It was ugly. It, it epitomizes the, the drought for me because that game was just like the Bills were still in the hunt, considered. They That's had to win this game, and. They go out and JP Lossman gets hurt. Then Trent Edwards comes in, or Trent Edwards gets hurt. JP Lossman comes in. It's it's a complete garbage fest. Uh, the weather that day was super, just crappy. It was like thirty eight degrees. It was raining and snowing on and off. And my personal experience, it's it speaks to me because where I was sitting was half undercover and half not undercover. So where I'm sitting. My legs are completely soaked. They're drenched. But, like, my, you know, for my waist up, it's completely dry. It's sort of like the entire drought for me because there's been periods of, oh, yeah, we're super dry. We're feeling good. You know, things are going well. And then the other half, it's just like, wow, it's just 
ugly and disgusting and just ugh, no. But with the no topic thanks. of backup quarterback, Sean Hill is probably one of the top ten backup, like not even top ten, one of the top five backups that you can have in the league. And they paid a king's ransom for something that, quite frankly, they overpaid for. The Bills with EJ Manuel, they may have, strangely enough, still one of the best, the better backup quarterback situations in the league. Dak Prescott with Dallas, we don't know what the rookie's going to do. I mean, you can see some terrifying players here with backup quarterbacks. Last year, there were two teams that had winning percentages with backup quarterbacks. That was Matt Hasselbeck with the Indianapolis Colts, and it was Landry Jones with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are the only two teams that had winning records with a backup quarterback in last season, and the disaster, the results are always disastrous when you have to rely on a backup for a long amount of time. With EJ, you know what you're getting. You can get bad EJ, but you can also get halfway decent EJ that can keep you in a game. I'm glad you brought up a ranking for backup quarterbacks. Do you find something? Mm-hmm. Good, good. What I found was a little piece from July of July 16th of 2015. So this is last year. Mark Sessler on NFL.com lists the top quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, from 1 to 32 right. across the league. Read some off, and let's, Brayton and I, let's just say if they're better or worse situations I'm, than I EJ did, Manuel. I did sort of do what, what Nate and Derek, you're doing, was looking at every backup quarterback and, like, looking at rankings. And I know what one you're talking about because I just read it. Yeah. And I'm looking through some more. But let's let's go through some of them, please. He lists at number one, which he considers to be starting material, Mark Sanchez. That's... Uh, now? Yes. Okay, you're telling me. Now, here's, I think this is a good point to bring up. This was, this was his team, like the Broncos was his team to win the competition uh-huh. over Trem- Trevor Simeon, uh-huh. and he lost out on that. Uh-huh. I, I'm just, you know, I get it but for a backup. a backup, a backup perspective, let's, sure. But... Let's talk about this like this. Would you have rather traded a first-round pick and potentially what could be a second-round pick conditional, it's a conditional fourth, based on performance, it could be turned into as high as a second-round pick for Sam Bradford, or would you rather have traded for a Mark Sanchez for a bag of hockey pucks or a third round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever anything that involves mark sanchez hard pass well i mean i think we all agree here but that would the you, price you're saying trade... you'd rather pay a first round pick and potentially a second round pick for sam bradford i'd say neither i'd rock well Sean of course Hill. but if you had to, i don't know i, would I, rock I, Sean the Hill. Price, I disagree the price to trade for sam bradford was high for the vikings but they're in a we want to win now we want to be a contender and without teddy bridgewater i mean sean hill I, I just don't know if they would have got if he would have gotten him in the playoffs. Before we continue unveiling this list of backup quarterbacks, let's head out to Jerry and Kenmore, who's on the phone with us on WGR. How you doing, Jerry? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm uh, sorry about that afternoon. Um, well, let me first say about this Minnesota situation. I think uh, Caliendo would have recommended talking far about. <laughs> uh, yes, he would have, Jerry. Uh, it's funny that, you know, that this topic is, uh, you guys are batting this topic around because my friends and I have been talking all week about we might have the best trio in the league uh, of quarterbacks, you know, for what any of them could amount to. And, and as much as we're tainted by the performances of E.J. Manuel, 
Honestly, he had a very good start to his career. Then the injury in Cleveland occurred, and he wasn't hasn't been the same player since. But he was drafted as a tools guy who had the best potential to be good out of that class. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year he starts for someone in this league. And long-term is a starter in this league for a team for a few years. And, and Cardell Jones, just his, just his presence, I think – you know, his footwork and some other things might be the easiest thing to fix, and then that translates to accuracy. But I think we have the best trio in the league, and I think we'd be, it'd be making a mistake if we didn't somehow try to, to extend um, E.J. Manuel. The other thing about E.J. Manuel is he's not a lot different from, from Tyrod Taylor, and if Taylor goes down, he really does fit into this offense pretty well. Thank you, Jerry, for all of your points there. I'll try to get to as many of them as I can. As far as EJ Manuel, I agree with you that I guess their skill sets. You know what, though? I, you know what? Just as I was about to say it, I, I disagreed with you because I think Greg Roman could basically put anybody at the quarterback position and be semi-successful. When you look at Colin Kaepernick, what his career has basically been a shell of what he was under Greg Roman. Now, he doesn't have a huge sample size of other players that he's really been able to turn around, but I think Kaepernick's kind of a glaring example of that. But when you look at EJ Manuel and you look like look at Tyrod Taylor, I, I disagree that I think they're similar players. I think Tyrod Taylor is an exceptional, exceptional deep ball thrower. He throws the ball with conviction. He throws the ball with meaning. When I watch E.J. Manuel throw the ball, I every time I, throw, I watch him throw the ball... He throws it differently every he throws time. It, he's got... He is inconsistent mechanics. His footwork is always... There's just a lot left to be desired there. But the thing that I notice the most with him... Two things I notice the most. He aims it. He, he attempts to try... He doesn't trust unleashing his arm and throwing. He also just doesn't trust what he sees... When he looks downfield, and I think that's one of the biggest issues with EJ is that he just doesn't trust what he's been coached to do. He gets coached to do something, and then he second guesses himself while he's on the field of play. And you can't have that and be a successful quarterback in the league. Real quick before we continue on this list, I wanted to read off a Ryan Talbot tweet that I just saw. So you mentioned the Patriots waived Aaron Dobson. Yes. Eight of Dobson's 13 receptions and 104 of a hundred of his one hundred and forty one yards came against the Bills last year in two games. <laughs> of course it did. Of course it did. Un freaking believable. Okay, so let's move back to this uh backup quarterback list, uh, so we can shove this down Derek's throat. Um number two, which I completely agree with this, and I think he now takes the number one backup role, Mike Lennon in in Tampa Bay. Um not going to wow you really with any sort of any of his skills. He's not great at anything, but he could be a guy that I think is a serviceable starter if your starter starting quarterback goes down. Where I see EJ, EJ can be serviceable for one or two games tops, and that goes back to my Cardell point. Is that's where I think his ceiling he just he just levels off at that one or two games. He can be a spot starter, but we're talking long term. We're talking any course of the season here. That's where I get uncomfortable having E.J. Manuel as my starting quarterback. Right. Number three is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Obviously, he is now the starter. In So then, would you maybe put Geno Smith as maybe one of these guys as a backup quarterback? I'm going to say no. No. Um, I'm going to say no on no. the Geno Smith thing. Uh, that, I think that's proven to be a... Uh, Man, that, that quarterback situation in New York is a tire fire draft. right now. That Let's draft was... That draft. 
That draft was one of the worst. Now, let's talk. Now, I may not be a huge EJ fan, but I'll tell you what. Out of the four guys that were taken in that draft, the top four guys. EJ Manuel might be the best of those four. But obviously, Glennon (laughs) Glennon is probably, I would say Glennon's better than EJ. Maybe. Uh, It's close. It's close. But Gino's a tire fire, and I think we all saw. Glennon is more of a, I think Glennon is more of that pocket passing type of yes. guy. He's definitely not going to try and run out of the pocket too often. So, I mean, if you're looking at it from, you know, the way that these quarterbacks are, Glennon's more of the pocket passer where EJ is more of a versatile guy. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Like, Matt Barkley's done you – know, Matt Barkley was part of that draft class, right? Or was he the year no, before? No, he was the year before. Year before, okay. Who, who you're looking at this draft class, the fourth guy I believe that was taken was Ryan Nassib. Ryan Nassib, we yep. saw what he oh. did in his 2-4-12 performance in the preseason. Reading another rankings that you had, Ryan Nassib, out of the 32 quarterbacks, was ranked, I believe, 29th or 30th as the guys that are just like, how are they still in the league? That's, 28th. That's, yeah, 28th. 28th. It's unbelievable. Oh, by the way, um, there's a report from ESPN's Adam Kaplan that the Eagles are planning on starting Carson Wentz against the Browns if he's recovered enough from his rib injury. Really? Really. Adam Kaplan reporting that from e, uh, from uh, NFL, ESPN. Yeah. So um, that's, that's really? an interesting situation because Jared Goff was just named the third-string quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, and now Carson Wentz is going to be starting for the Eagles if he's healthy enough instead of Chase Daniel. That's it's quite the interesting development there. Really? Really. Because he would have been one of these quarterbacks. I would have said, yeah, I mean, he's an up-and-coming guy. For you know, So he's in some, he'd be somewhere probably in like the middle of the pack of quarterbacks for backups. Just a guy that's you know decent, ready to go, uh, if need be. And I was going to be starting. And Chase Daniel is going to be the backup in Philadelphia. And, you know, of course... Uh, and Adam Kaplan has come out with a couple of. I mean, he's a he's a credible guy. I would you would say, wouldn't you? It's wow. pretty credible. So I am shocked. That it is pretty shocking. It is. Mike Garafalo of NFL.com as well tweets that uh, told he was told the same as Adam Kaplan. So we now have two sources saying that Carson Wentz. It's the Carson Wentz show in Philadelphia when and if he gets healthy. Sources say Chase Daniel's not happy about that situation. I was a fan of Doug Peterson before, and now, now to me, oh man, this just doesn't make sense to me. I and the reason it doesn't is is what you just said about Goff being basically the third stringer, not having any pressure. And what did we just talk about for one of the major reasons that EJ Manuel hasn't been able to work out? That to me just seems like a big, big mistake. It seems like a big mistake to throw a guy who's been playing FBS football. Or FCS, I'm sorry. Has FCS he has he played football. since his injury? No. No. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um Yeah, that that's probably not the right decision there. I mean, unless he's shown in practice, but I mean, it's practice. He's been out for 3 weeks. It, 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 yeah, but I mean Chase Daniel I I don't know. It's Chase Daniel's a guy that I, I, I think you know what he, you're getting. You know he's a good backup. He's one of the top. He's a, he's a top solid backups. backup, but he has he, no playing experience though. So I think the he's fact one that of those he's been guys, paid, though, I think he's one of those guys, and the Eagles saw it too. I think he's one of those guys that could be a bridge starter. 
kind of a guy that can get you an eight and eight record. So or then, something why the like heck that. aren't they letting him do that? Because reasons, I don't know. I because, because they probably want to give their first their first round pick a because a they shot. paid a king's ransom to get him. They yeah. need to justify it. Yeah. But they just basically they just basically got the pick back. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles' pick is probably going to be a lot lower than Minnesota's. Maybe. Yeah, Not even maybe. I mean, Minnesota's roster is far more talented. Chase Daniel, by the way, on the list that you had brought up, he was 11th on the rankings as a serviceable stand-in, along with Matt Moore, Sean Hill, Matt Hasselback, who's retired now, Christian Ponder, who's with the 49ers now, and Kellen Clemens. I like Matt Moore. I like Matt Moore than I like Sean Hill. I, I like Sean Hill more than Matt Moore there. Sean Hill, you're giving Sean Hill quite a lot of credit. I'm giving Sean Hill credit because he's one of the more steady backup hands that you're going to get, and he's Maybe. proven it over his career. Maybe. But this whole Carson Wentz thing, and we're going to have to ask Pete Carges his thoughts on this. I am, I'm a little blown away by the news that I'm hearing now that basically they've decided to go with Carson Wentz here. We, we've taken this... Talk from a backup quarterback situation. I don't know to where. Else. I, uh, there's Carson nothing. Carson Wentz. I, I, but I'm I'm completely puzzled by this as well. I mean, he's only played one game. He played. I mean, he he needs a good amount of time sitting and reading reading stuff before he even takes that step in being a starting quarterback. This this decision by the Eagles is a little baffling to me. If if Carson Wentz can do it, then okay, but. He he's been out. He's only played one game. He was hurt with a with a rib injury. How he's been in practice, I don't know. Maybe somebody can can enlighten me there on how he's looked in practice and how reports out of Philadelphia have come out. But that's that's a questionable decision there, at best. All right, eight zero three zero five fifty eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The numbers to call. An interesting development now in the Philadelphia court. I mean, two interesting developments in basically the past three hours here uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But next, we have Pete Cargis, esteemed colleague of ours, uh, coming on to speak about his college football primer that he comes out with every year. He'll be releasing on the WGR 550 website, so we'll have him on next. We'll get to your calls as well on the uh, other side of this break. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. This is WGR. Well, with any position, we'll always look. Uh, those tall guys, are, they're hard to find. Uh, is it something we'd like to add? Uh, if, it, if we think he's an upgrade over somebody we have on the team, we'll obviously look at that along with any other position that's out there. Doug Whaley there, Buffalo Bills GM. Before we head out to uh, to Pete Carr, just let's, uh, let's hit the phones real quick. Lavelle in Buffalo, how you doing today? Lavelle, you're on WGR. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, good, good. Yeah, I just was calling regards to the EJ topic um, as being a diehard Buffalo Bills fan and also FSU fan. Um, watch EJ in college. I've seen a lot of things that we see now where he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, but I did give him a lot of credit in college where he came back and won a lot of big games, and he was a winner in college. So I guess that's something that he translated to the NFL as far as trying to be a winner and win at least. Um, and we kind of seen him you know, do that early on against the Carolina game, against the game against the Browns before he got hurt. And, you know, after since he hasn't really been the same, like uh, one of you guys have said, he hasn't been the same since that injury, which a lot of quarterbacks haven't really been the same since they had a knee injury. Uh, but I think, you know, also he comes with a miss of pressure because, you know, a draft in the first round where he shouldn't have been starting until a guy slipped on the mat. Um, kind of a similar situation we're trying to do with Cardell Jones um, was supposed to be with EJ, you know, await uh, a project. Uh, so now we get thrown into there uh, where, you know, us and the media are on top of him. And, you know, he's just not trusting himself, you know, because he, you know, 
I make a mistake, I'm coming out. And that's kind of like his mindset. And as being a former football player, you never want to have that mindset like, hey, I can't make one mistake because I'm coming out. And I think that's just kind of just been weighing on him. And I think, honestly, if the guy is given a chance to actually start without any pressure or go to another team, I think we'll actually see uh, the quarterback, you know, that, you know, he can be, uh, with, you know, being a serviceable quarterback. Not an all-star, but a guy that can win some games and, and help out the team, maybe in Philadelphia, San Francisco, or, or another team out there. That's all I have to say. Lavelle, before you go, let me ask you a question about EJ. So you had mentioned in college you thought he was a fairly – like he, he won some big games in his, over the course of his college career. Correct. With the same team, though, the next year, a fresh uh, – red no, he wasn't even redshirt. I think he was a true freshman, Jameis Winston, when he came in. Jameis Winston takes that exact – basically that exact same team of starters to the national championship undefeated. So does – I guess my question for you, Lavelle, is is that more of an indictment of how good Jameis was or how bad EJ was? I don't really think you can say that because if, if, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe EJ's senior year, they were ACC champions, um, and I believe they may have been 12-1 and one or so, and it just came down. Oh, I don't think they were 12-1. and one. I, 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 I believe I know they had a, a really I'll look it up. I'll look it up, but yeah, no. I, yeah, but I, I don't think... I think it came down to one of the late games that they just didn't get that, you know, came down to the voting system. Um, but I don't think it's an indictment to him. You know, um, obviously, Davis Winston was, you know, he went to two national championships, but it kind of says more to what EJ was. He's, he's a guy that can win games. He's going to make mistakes during the game, but he's going to win a big game. You know, I think even if you look at the Jacksonville game last year, terrible first half, terrible first half. And he kind of came back, and we had the game one at the Corey Grand Blue to coverage. So it's kind of like, you know, we, we put that on EJ if he threw two back-to-back picks and they both went to the house. But, he, you know, he stayed with it. He threw, you know, a big touchdown at the end. And then, we, you know, we kind of got messed up on defense assignment. So I don't know if you could put that all on EJ because another guy steps into place. But I kind of can say to his assessment again is that, you know, he's a, he can't win games. I'll put it like he, he can't win games. You're not going to see, you know, the perfect style of quarterback, but he can win the game. All right, Lavelle. Thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, they were actually twelve and two. Twelve and two. Yep. Yeah, twelve and two that year. So uh, not bad. But I think they ended up playing. They ended up playing like the Peach Bowl or something like that. Not Again, like a significant. The big bowl difference. Game, the big di- difference for EJ Manuel his senior year was he was allowed to throw the ball more. Yeah. That's that was that's my takeaway from. The Here's season, the, but with EJ again, you know what you're getting. It's you can have disastrous EJ, or you can have like we had said. Somewhat competent. EJ, let's say, let's say serviceable. Really, yes, yeah. let's, let's just let's just rest on serviceable. And serviceable is good for a backup. Let's speaking let's, of serviceable. Yeah, let's let's change gears here to college and uh, let's bring in Pete Cargis, the uh, what I guess we can call Pete the college guru. Uh, Pete, how you doing today, buddy? Nate, what's going on, my man? Nothing, man. Uh, first I of want... all, I I gotta say, Pete. Uh, First of all, I know you got married like a month ago. I want to say oh, congratulations yes. to you on, on the marriage, your marriage the there. No, oh, appreciate that, guys. You know, uh, I, I was, as many of you know, I lost my wedding ring five days into marriage. I'm just kind of <laughs> oh. now, now I'm officially married. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, you Pete, had, you had the under on that one. You won. Yeah, he, the under. <laughs> he was half married when he lost his ring, but now he's full married again. He's full so. pregnant, full married, just like Rex. All right, buddy. Listen, let's uh, let's move into this college uh, football primer as. Um, you know, as you do every year, your teams this year. Um, I wanted to get your opinions on who your top four would be. Then we can get a little bit into the more player personnel side, like your Heisman favorites and things like that. But first, let's give me your give me your top four standing teams by the end of the year here. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think number one, you want to look at Clemson. Uh, I think Clemson's returning a lot of guys this year. They have the best quarterback in the country, Deshaun Watson. Wayne Gallman's a great running back. Their defense obviously lost a couple guys, but I look to look for them to be the best team in the country at the end of the year. They get a nice test tonight against Auburn, but I think they'll be able to handle that. I've got Alabama, too. I mean, it just looks the same as last year, except for the roles are reversed a little bit. Uh, Bama, they reload. That's what Saban does, man. He gets... He's got a couple of All-Americans leaving, as we know, Reggie Ragland, Sean Robinson. That defense is going to be fire. Calvin Ridley's one of the best wide receivers in the country. New quarterback in Cooper Bateman. Don't think it's going to be a problem. They'll take care of business tonight. They'll probably win by 21 tonight against USC. Uh, number three, I've got, uh, I've got Florida State. And I've got Florida State at the end of the year in the playoff. And, that, yes, that's uh, two ACC teams in the playoff. And I'll tell you why. I mean, Florida State's got the best – Maybe the best running back in the country, and we'll talk about the running backs because, man, it's like a revolution in college. It's not, it's not a quarterback uh, league anymore, no. as they say. It's more running back. Um, Delvin Cook, he's fast, gets the job done. Uh, they've got a new quarterback, DeAndre Francois, who is going to be, uh, you know, going to take some time for him to get adjusted and get, get used to playing, but I think he's going to be fine, and their defense is insane, too. But the reason I have them in the playoff, I have them losing to Clemson in the biggest game of the year, Clemson, Florida State. But I think that's the only loss of the year. I think Florida State runs through it. And if they have one loss in the year and it's the number one team in the country, I think you got to put them in. And then number four, I've got Ohio State. And I know all the talk this year is about Michigan and Harbaugh and everything to do with them. But I think Ohio State has the best quarterback in the Big Ten in J.C. Barrett. I mean, the guy won Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year two years ago. He's back. I think Ohio State is the best team in that conference. Michigan's going to roll early. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State gets tripped up early. They've got Oklahoma week three, but I think they win. They host Michigan this year, and they've got the advantage there. So Clemson, Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State, that's my four. Pete, I'm, uh, I'm on the, uh, the primer now, and an interesting thing I see here is the best of the rest you have. Um, and the game of the year you currently have now is the game currently on, and it's starting to appear it could be just that. Maybe the game of the year here, you have the best player, um, Greg Ward Jr., the quarterback for Houston, who's having a pretty good first half here, and your team, your dark horse team being Houston. So, Ari, could you see a potential upset in this game, Larry? Hey, I'll tell you, man, I am in my happy place right now. <laughs> I sat down and, you know, watched game day this morning. I love the fact that this Houston-Oklahoma game was at noon. It's gone back and forth. There's been a lot of points scored on either side. Both quarterbacks look great. Baker Mayfield for Oklahoma and Greg Ward Jr., who had a great year last year. Remember Houston actually won a game, a New Year's Bowl game last year. They beat Florida State, and a lot of people say Florida State didn't have their best game that day, and Houston did, and maybe they overachieved. I think Houston's got the potential here. They're running with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's running back, Samadji Perrine, got hurt. He's back, though. I mean, this is a fun game. If you're watching the game today, make sure it's this one, Oklahoma and Houston, 1970 is the half right now. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting game. we got it going on playing in the, uh, in the studio right now. So as far as your SEC champion, you had Alabama with your dark horse team, Tennessee. I thought that was an interesting pick before, but then after watching Tennessee the other night, and that would have been, I believe, Friday night, basically – I mean, they almost pulled a Michigan on us, and that is something I think if they would have lost that game, that is almost, like, you almost can't recover from a loss to a, to an FCS school like that on week one when you're ranked the 19th in the nation. And, and is there a, maybe a little bit too much talk about Tennessee and the team they've got going on over there? Yeah, I, I think in a word, yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're a good team. They returned Josh Dobbs as, as a, you know, a senior quarterback. They've got one of the best running backs in the country, Jalen Hurd, but... 
I mean, if you watch that game the other night, they should not have won that game. No. And here's a note to uh, all D1 schools. Maybe don't schedule App State first week <laughs> of the season. <laughs> I mean, you look what happened nine years ago, and they're actually up in the FBS now because of that game, a main reason why. But their offense was terrible. Their defense is good. Their offense did not look good, and they probably shouldn't have won that game. So, yeah, I think there is a little too much hype about Tennessee. I think that I don't think Butch Jones is that great of a coach. I think he's a psycho. But I don't know how good of a football coach he is. I think that he, the Tennessee team is a little overrated this year. Hey, another team, I, uh, or another guy I want to ask you about is Christian McCaffrey. Yesterday we saw that electrifying punt return that he had that, and ultimately got called back and obviously had uh, a pair of touchdowns in that game. What do you see, and, and actually we were talking about this before the show this morning, and, and how a lot of pro scouts see Christian McCaffrey not as a running back because of his size. And then, and then I kind of looked up his size, and he's a six foot 200-pound guy. What do you maybe project out Christian McCaffrey being this season and ultimately what are his like pro prospects looking like? Well, look, here's the thing about Christian McCaffrey. He's in a tough spot because he broke the all-time yardage record uh, last year for Stanford and didn't win the Heisman. So, you know, he had the, one of the best seasons that's ever happened in college football, didn't win the Heisman. If he has a season less than that this year, people are going to say that he had an offseason. But he had the best season ever last year, so he's in a tough spot. He's amazing, though. He's such a freak athlete. He really does do everything. I mean, he returns kicks, returns punts. He's obviously a good running back and catch the ball. Haven't seen him throw yet, but I'm sure he's got that in the arsenal. I think that he's, you know, he definitely has a chance to win the Heisman this year, a very good chance. But, again, Stanford struggles uh, with you know, getting that public exposure because they play so many of their games late at night. You know, if they, if they had played, if they were on the East Coast were playing those earlier games, you might have seen him win the Heisman last year. A lot of people were saying that. But I think Stanford's in a tough position. I think Stanford's a good football team. McCaffrey's obviously great, but I don't have him win the Heisman this year just because, you know, unless you're Marcus Mariota in winning the Heisman, it's kind of a down year for quarterbacks that year. I mean, it's tough to win the Heisman coming out of the Pac-12 in 2016. All right, Pete, I got two more here for you. Brandon Harris, quarterback LSU. I mean, this is a guy, if you if you follow quarterbacks like I do, the f- the tremendous arm strength that he has. He really probably has one of the best natural arm talents in college football, but just hasn't really put it together. That's a team with potentially the best running back in the nation in Leonard Fournette and maybe one of the better defenses in the SEC as well. Is LSU's success this year hinging on their quarterback, Brandon Harris, opposed to their running back? Well, I think he's got no excuses this year. You're right. He just he has always had the raw talent. He never really put it together. I mean, there was a, two years ago in that Mississippi State game, a lot of remember, he was just awful. Right. And he, and he just, he, LSU's kind of MO, even with their national champions, they really have never had an outstanding quarterback. You know, it's going back to Jamarcus Russell. Uh, oh. But I think that, I think that Brandon Harris is a better quarterback this year. I think that, you know, like you said, his weapons are there, the defense is there. I think LSU is the second best team in the SEC. I mean, that, that uh, Alabama LSU game is going to be a freaking slow right. fest. That's going to be incredible. I can't wait for that. But, I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette's going to get his. He got his last year, but the quarterback play wasn't there last year. So I think you're right. If you can put it together and, you know, get that team in motion, then I look for LSU to make some noise on the SEC. All right, Pete, last one. I'm going to go with my squad. I want your opinions on Notre Dame this year. I want you to, I want you to give me the, you know, give me the straight up here. Do you see this as being a, a team that could potentially make their way into the Final Four at the end of the season if everything goes right and if they can find the guy and settle in with either Zaire or, or – um, or Kaiser, if they can settle in with one of these guys and one of them really proves that they are the guy over the other and they get some of those younger guys on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think we both know the, the, 
the you know the knock on Notre Dame historically has been that their defense, other than the year that Manti Teo had his senior year, they haven't really had the you know that great defense. But this year, with two really I think could be potentially starters on any team in the nation at quarterback, what do you uh, project out for Notre Dame, and do you see them as being a potential dark horse to uh, to potentially make that Final Four? Seven and five. Stop. No, Stop it. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, what's different this year about Notre Dame is there's really not a whole lot of people talking about them. Yes. Um, as opposed to years past, which I think is a good thing for Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame is going to get the national exposure no matter what. But you're not hearing a whole lot about them. And I think maybe the fact that a, a true starting quarterback has not been named yet, I think that kind of bodes well for them because, you know, if, if uh, you know, Brian Kelly makes that decision, you know, he's questioned for the first mistake that the one quarterback makes. Well, you know, he, he should put it, go with the other guy. But they did lose a lot of the skill position players, you know, ProSize and Fuller. I mean, those are two NFL caliber players. I think I think that they beat Texas tomorrow, or yeah, tomorrow night. But uh, I, I don't see them as a real true playoff contender. Again, Notre Dame, they don't play any FCS schools. That's their big thing. They've got a tough schedule this year. They do, you know, they'll avoid Clemson, which is nice, but they still got some tough games: Stanford, USC, Michigan State this year. So I think that their schedule is too tough. You know, they'll run a nice 9-3, and three, you know, 8-4 and four campaign, but I don't see them as the national title this time. All right, Pete, I appreciate your takes other than the last one there. Uh, it was good <laughs> talking with you, and, uh, yeah, we'll make this thing a, a regular as we kind of move throughout the season here, uh, getting, especially as some of these marquee matchups continue on down the line. So I appreciate you coming out on the uh, Labor Day weekend, and enjoy the long weekend. I know I will, man. Yeah, you know what, Nate? I, uh, I'm going to sit on my couch, and I probably won't leave until uh, Monday night at about uh, 11.59. That is what I'm hoping for, for the same as me. When I get out of here, I plan on putting the feet up and cracking a cold beer and watching great college football for the rest of the day. And I am really looking forward to really just this weekend, obviously, as we've got Notre Dame and Texas tomorrow night and Monday night. That really, to me, is the best matchup of the weekend, so I look forward to that Monday night matchup as well. Um, so I appreciate you again coming on, and uh, enjoy the, uh, you know, lounging. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Pete Carr just there uh, talking with us about some college football, so I appreciate him coming on on Labor Day weekend. A lot of stuff there today, uh, especially in the college game. So uh, we'll be looking forward uh, to more college football as the day goes on here. And as it is broke, the Browns trade former first-round pick, Justin Gilbert, to the Pittsburgh Steelers per league stores, a, and, and what he calls a rare in-division trade. Now, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, Derek, but that would mean they no longer have any of their first-round picks before the past two years. For the, So, okay, over the last six years, other than last year, they don't have any of their first-round picks left on their team. From 2012 to two. To 2014, they've had five first-round picks. None of them are on the roster. Albert Breer also tweets out the Jets are trying to trade first-round cornerback Dean Milliner. He's been a huge bust. Yes. Hashtag bust. Not even that. Yes. Not only that, but that makes it sound like if they can't get anything from Milliner, they're going to cut him. Yeah, because they didn't. They didn't get the roster down to 53. They're at 57. Yeah. Right now. Oh boy, Browns. Oh boy, they're they're the uh, they're the definition of tank this year. They're they're the tank team of sports now. Yeah, another another pick. But here are those players. Ready? Browns first rounders from actually 2011 to 2014. Phil Taylor released. Yep. Trent Richardson traded. Brandon Whedon released. Barkevis Mingo traded. Justin Gilbert traded. Johnny Menzel, Ryan Leafed. <laughs> 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 oh boy, Browns. All right. 
We're going to uh, wrap a bow on this one and, and send her off for the long weekend. Uh, coming up next here at Sports Talk Saturday, WGR, I'm Nate Geary, alongside of Derek Kramer and Brayton Wilson. Again, this is WGR. All right, final segment here of Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary and Brayton Wilson along with Derek Kramer on the board doing it here for you this Saturday afternoon. As we mentioned, a bunch of stuff going on around the NFL today, a bunch of trades. Obviously, Sam Bradford, the most shocking of which, gets traded over to the Minnesota Vikings. And it looks like there is another trade in the works. Ian Rappaport reports the Broncos are working to trade Mark Sanchez, a source says. Hmm. So Sanchez could be on the move. We could also that see. That would make Paxton Lynch the backup for the Denver Broncos. And I guarantee you that after probably four to six games, I bet Paxton Lynch will be the starting quarterback for Denver. I, I think could, Simeon I could probably holds steady. I think Simeon holds steady. All he's got to do is not. Ian Rappaport now reports that the Jets are expected to waive cornerback D. Milliner. Wow, waving. Interesting. Like I said, if they couldn't dish him, they were going to They were going to be gone. Yep. And uh, it is now official on NFL on ESPN. The Eagles plan to start Carson Wentz week one. So that is basically an official thing. Some crazy news going yes, down a lot on of the things. final roster cut day. So, so Bills fans? Four o'clock is the deadline. Who, who would have thought that I'd be saying this? Bills fans, it could be worse. Here's another interesting name that the Bills may look at is Sam Young, who the Dolphins just waived uh, offensive tackle, but he's been play, he's played inside before as well. He's a guy that started in this league and is a former Notre Dame player, uh, so I've got some inside knowledge, inside track on him because I watched him play basically all four years of his career at Notre Dame. So uh, some more guys being released, some more guys being traded here, so we're going to see how we move on for the next week or so. I assume things like this will continue to happen. We're going to see some trades. We're going to see some guys get acquired um, via the waiver wire and things like that, especially for the Bills, who, we, uh, who we've definitely talked about and agreed on today, could definitely upgrade a few more positions. One more interesting note before we leave. Uh, going back to the World Cup of Hockey, the Czech team, they announced that Radko Gudis and Tomas Hurdle will not play at the oh, World Cup man, of Hockey. Oh, man, they're done. Gudis, okay, whatever, he's just Hurdle's a goon. But Hurdle is probably one the, of the their only best speed, young probably the offensive only, players. The only speed they probably had on that team. So yeah, so, place. yeah, Czech Republic team does not look good right now. But if anything happens with Bill's news or, in for that matter, Sabres news, let's say Rasmus Ristolainen signs a new contract extension. You can find more from Paul Hamilton, Sal Capaccio, myself, anybody here, uh, also at WGR550.com. All right, well, we're going to wrap things up here today on Sports Talk Saturday. I appreciate uh, Derek coming in, doing the, uh, the mixing back there on the board. Uh, we, me and Derek will be back here next week. Uh, Brayton, thanks for coming in today and thanks talking some me, World, World Cup uh, hockey, uh, as we probably will be spitting more of that in the coming weeks as well. So for Brayton Wilson, Derek Kramer, I'm Nate Geary. This is Sports Talk Saturday. You're listening to WGR. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.